You're listening to the International Continent Society podcast. ICS is the leading international multidisciplinary organization for medical professionals working in the field of incontinence. ICS provides the latest scientific and clinical updates to professionals in the field. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about um, growing up in catheters and yep. it's wonderful to have you here, Brendan. Brendan, do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, I was born with bladder extrafecia, my bladder being on the outside of my body. And I guess when I was born, they put the bladder back in and it wasn't until I was six years old when they um, done the Mitrofanoff procedure. So repurposing my appendix as a pathway to the bladder so I could go to the toilet as normal as possible. That's a pretty that amazing, isn't yeah. it? What a thing to get through sort of early on in mm. life. So when do you remember sort of using the channel, you know, your Mitrofanoff? When did you start using it yourself, do you think? Well, I remember the first time, I'm pretty sure it was at the, okay, Women's and Children's, that's when they were taking everything out and they're like, okay, we're going to show you how to do this and, yeah, show me how to put the catheter in and that. And that was towards the end of a long, you know, long time of like having lots of catheters and stuff you know, taped to me and yeah, yeah, that was a tough year <laughs> being a kid and dealing <laughs> with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause you know, you have your obstacles like during that. I remember because I live probably, it was probably 45, 50 minutes from the city. I remember one morning at two in the morning, the catheter got blocked and like, there was no, you know, like we were like an hour away from the city. And mom's like, right. She got me in the car. She just raced to the city, went through all the red lights to get to the city. <laughs> and um, yeah, my specialist, Hillary like came in in the middle of the night and she sort of just done a bladder flush thing and unblocked it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, I don't know. That was, that was scary. Cause I'm like, ah, I was like climbing. <laughs> it's probably the dangerous <laughs> dri- car drive to the city. But um, yeah, but uh, in terms of having it all set up, that was, yeah, it, it was, it was good in a way. Cause it sort of gave me that independence and sort of confidence. Cause prior to that, I was, um, you know, a five-year-old that was using like pull-ups and stuff yeah. like that to yeah. maintain, you know, especially like starting like reception in kindergarten and stuff like that where other kids have you know yeah they've developed their like you know ability to you know go to the toilet and yeah yeah that would have been a really different way to start off school Mm. right so you've got the excitement of starting school and then kind of going actually I've got this other thing to actually be aware of you know early on and you were six when the Petrofanoff was formed yeah um Somebody was somebody helping you with catheterizing it early. So when I went to school, uh, they organised a RDNS nurse to sort of come in once a day around lunchtime. Her name was Jan. She was lovely. She was, yeah, she was really good. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, like when she wasn't there, there was another nurse like that would come in and yeah. But um, I pretty much had it on board, like in terms of inserting the catheter and stuff like that. I was pretty like I caught on relatively quickly like some days you'd come in and be like I already peed (laughs) (laughs) so we drove all the way to two wells for no reason but you know that's pretty amazing you know I I Mm. mean at six being in control of your continence Mm. catheterizing through a metrophanoff that's a big deal that it is for such like you know a small person like organizing that I know there were there were issues at the beginning when I was transitioning from like uh, from reception to primary school the principal was not really supportive. She was telling my mum that, oh no, he needs to go to a special school where they can support that. Um, and I know um, Hillary, well, my specialist, she got really like pissed off. They had like a meeting and Hillary sort of attended and she sort of blasted the principal. Anyways, they kind of like backed down on their weird like proposition of like, you know, send him somewhere else. Cause 
technically, like cognitively, there's nothing wrong with me. I don't need no. to go to any special school. I just need the to have an environment where I can go to the toilet, like a clean environment. Yes. Which in that case, there was uh, staff toilets that yes. um, inside the, I think they were like the sick room toilets. So I'd go, yeah. I'd go there to go to the bathroom because obviously like lots of toilets don't have bins to put catheters yes. in um they're not like the male toilets aren't the cleanest especially like in primary school so you know yes like, ooh, ugh, no, it gets yeah. still gross isn't it <laughs> so i need like a clean environment <laughs> to wash my hands and just you know keep yeah. that um yeah i think the bin thing you know just to go off piste just a little mm. bit is still a problem isn't it you wouldn't say there are a lot of male toilets that have bins for disposal of catheters on a regular basis. You know, that's one of my big fears of like when I go out somewhere, I'm like, okay, if there's no bin, what, what do I do? Like yeah. do I have to somehow like, you know, put it in my pocket or like yeah. whatever. And I was like, okay, clean the catheter, put it in my pocket and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And then try and find a bin outside Discreetly. of the toilet. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Because <laughs> otherwise I'm, you know. Yeah, like, what do you do with it? Yeah. You've got it in your pocket. So how about things like, you know, primary school is one thing, mm. but then getting into sort of high school, so whole different that world. was yeah another bag of worms i didn't want high school to know anything about my medical thing i'm like i can manage this this is fine like i'll deal with it i kind of dealt with it by like not drinking and not going to the toilet the first <laughs> year which caused me to have a giant massive bladder stone oh, i think wow. it was also the the size of the catheter yes that was the issue because the metrophenoff would you know create a mucus that would sit on the bottom of the bladder if it's not drained out effectively it's going to crystallize into a stone and then yeah, so at the end of uh, year eight, I was, yeah, well, towards a, you know, throughout the year, I couldn't really do much sports because I was in pain, but the yeah. school didn't really know anything. They're just like, yeah, Brandon can't do that. And then I got this massive stone taken out during the Christmas holidays of, um, at the end of year eight. Yeah. And then that's when we sort of like, well, we probably should let the school know because, you know, yes. I, I wasn't managing because especially going to the toilet in high school, that's, that's probably worse than primary school. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So, cool. Yeah. So we um, organised, so I just, same sort of situation in um, high school where they just use the sick room toilets and that. And I think a lot of the other kids that sort of see me going in there just thought I had diabetes and like had to do insulin or something. That's yeah. what someone told me one time because <laughs> in year 12 I was a bit more open about yeah. um my medical stuff to yeah. like certain people before that it was kind of like oh big secret don't tell anyone because yeah. you don't want to get bullied that was the other thing because it's yeah. like okay because yeah because you're different yeah and you, you, didn't, wanna... you didn't want to be obviously different yeah and did you think that perhaps we as a society are slightly better at kind of being more inclusive do you think from my hospital, a high school experience, probably <laughs> no, not, no. Um, but um, I don't know. Over time, like as as an like adult, I, I don't know. From my experiences as an adult, I feel like yeah, maybe yeah. more now. But back then, I was I was, I don't know. Kids That's are mean. Diff- kids are yeah. mean, and also I suppose you know it's always they can be mean. Not all kids. kids. Yeah. yeah, not all kids. Mm. And also, if they don't understand something, mm. there's always that sort of judgment, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. And how, what did you think worked really well? You know, what are the good things about high school with a catheter that you can think of? Um, that's a hard question because <laughs> um, oh, well, I had a, um, I got the, I got them to like the school to organize, I think, because they'd be quite strict, especially in high school about like kids going to the toilet. They're like, mm-hmm. no, you're not allowed to go to the toilet. Like mm-hmm. you just got here or whatever. I had a special note in my, like the, like the diary thing that you had to carry with you everywhere that said, Brandon's allowed to, don't ask questions. <laughs> so <laughs> that was kind of good. I'm like, if the teacher is in a bad mood, she's like, no one's going to the toilet. I can just walk up the front. She's like, okay, I'll see, yeah. you. <laughs> Bye. See, I'll see you. I'll see you in 10 minutes. I'll be back. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So I guess that, that was a perk, but in a way it's, yeah, it's given me my independence and that's, I mean, you've got your downside downsides of, you know, you're putting a foreign object in your body, you can get bladder infections, you've got other things that you've got to deal with, which, which can make you really frustrated and, you know, angry at the world, which I know that's probably a common thing with people that have, you know, issues. It could be worse. So like there, there's a lot of variation in, you know, my condition, like there, there's a lot of Facebook groups that I've seen and some people that were born like many years before me, like were born and they, they didn't sort of know what to do with a lot of the things. So they're like, let's just make them a girl and let yeah. them deal with it later on. And then I've seen all these things on like the, the Facebook group where they're like, they're, they're dealing with all this stuff. Cause it's like, yeah, there's a lot of, I don't know. It's quite, it's and I mean, that. I, you know, if I was born in a different time, it, like it could be a lot different. Whereas I feel like today it's, you know, we've, we've got solutions that kind of, you know, they, they work a lot better than in the past and, that's yeah. right, actually. It's that hidden mm. hidden um, backstory of extrophy yeah. where the difficulty in managing the genital mm. genitalia side it means that, you know, some decisions were made which were perhaps not that wise in retrospect. Yeah. Um, but, you know, <clears throat> if you think about being teenage Brandon, though you're not old now, Brandon. Mm. Um, oh, I'm 30 now. You know, <laughs> okay, half yeah. of Brandon, half-aged yeah. Brandon. What would you have told yourself? What did you think you needed to hear at that time to get through those really angry days? Because I presume you did have those. Oh, yes, very. <laughs> um, that's, a, that's a good question. It Back when I, when I was younger, I really wanted to speak to somebody that was older that had gone through everything because you know like going through puberty and everything it's like things are like a bit different Mm -hmm. to like a normal person like you know like just the way you know yeah and it is like I don't know you do have a lot of questions that like can I talk to someone I don't know and I've I know I spoke to like my um pediatric urologist and stuff like that she obviously had other patients that had gone through it's just yeah I guess a lot of people don't want to talk or they just want to live their lives that it's yeah but as a kid it's sort of it would be good to have someone that's older that can you know answer these questions that you've got where where um i don't i can't really think of anything in particular Mm. um but yeah just like certain things like is this normal is this right like yeah yeah you kind of want to see someone that looks like you yeah don't you and like some of the questions like to like when I was like 17, 18, like I'm going back to my pediatric urologist going like, is this like, like, yeah. Yeah. It's that, it's that sort of time when it's gray between Mm. pediatric urology and adolescent Mm. slash adult urology. Is that that transition? And I know there was obviously issues going from the pediatric side to the adult urologist side. And I guess there's a bit of a gap there, even though my pediatric urologist, she was very good. Like she kept on seeing me until pretty much, till she retired, which, which is good. Like a lot of doctors don't do that. Like there's a lot of doctors that just, you know, once they're 18, they're just like, okay, yeah, yeah. Moving on. But yeah, I kind of seen, it's kind of weird. I kind of seen my pediatric um, urologist as more of like a second mum. It was kind of weird. Like she would like yell at me if I did something wrong or (laughs) whatever. And like, I remember going there one time and I had like a jumper and it had bits of fluff and she's like picking the bits of fluff up. (laughs) She's like, what is going on? (laughs) Yeah. So she was kind of like a second mum that I was extremely scared of. Yeah, in, good. In a sense, because she, you know, she, she'll cut me. <laughs> well, yeah, only cut for a good reason. Only yeah. for good reasons, but yeah. I think that's pretty good. I think I really need to say that you are normal, mm. right? Like you're normal. Yeah. You're just plumbed slightly differently. Yeah. 
that's it. Yeah. I think that's that other key thing because there's no such thing as you're not normal. You are normal. Yeah. Um, and I think that you you sort of really define the the need for more awareness around teenagedom mm. and long-term urinary conditions. Yeah. You know, what does teenagedom look like? How do you deal with it? How do we help yeah. better? <clears throat> yeah. And how does that help look a bit more like you? Yeah. Um, so what about things like university and the dreaded sort of relationship question? So when it comes to relationships and stuff like that, it's having a stoma and having to catheterize. It's, you, I don't know. I feel like there's a thing like you can't really like sleep around with people and stuff like that. It's a big thing. Like I didn't even consider relationships for like, you know, the first part of my like twenties. I'm like, no, 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 I'm fine. I'll be just single forever. It's all good. <laughs> like I, I don't. Yeah. But it's sort of a thing. It's quite a scary sort of thing. Cause like, if you're getting like, if, if you're going to, be intimate with somebody. It's sort of like you, you got to like, you know, show your body and I'm quite a shy person. I'm like, I don't want. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like a, I don't know, for me personally, that was like a very big obstacle to yeah. like climb over before, like even, yeah. I don't know if I answer that. You answered that really beautifully because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's that sort of, it's that confidence of being open with someone to yeah. that degree layered on top with the complexity of everything else that's going on as well. Yeah. And you need to be in a headspace where you feel safe to do mm. that. And maybe that's where the casual relationship is difficult because yeah. how do you develop that sense of safety? Mm. But then, you know, you, you kind of think, what does that look like? You know, what, yeah. how do I change that? That's hard. It's, I yeah. don't know that I have a perfect answer for that. Yeah. Cause I'm not the sort of person that would, <clears throat> I don't know, I like personally wouldn't want a like casual sort of relationship with mm. someone. I want sort of, you know, someone, you know, that you can go to at the end of the day and, yep. you know, come home to and yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, just the thought of that, like, cause there's lots of people out there that, that, you know, um, they can, you know, sleep around or like have like relationships like that. And it's like that in my brain doesn't compute. Like I couldn't like physically, yeah. You know, <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. like, there's an obstacle in my brain that's just like, no, I couldn't, I couldn't. Yeah. And yeah. was it sort of about the person? Or was it about you, you know, in that sort of crossing the, you know, the Rubicon of, mm. you know, intimacy, mm. was that about you feeling like you were ready to be a bit vulnerable with someone? Mm. And was that all about you or was it a lot about the person that you were being vulnerable with? I feel like, I don't know, there's like the like this really big fear of like rejection, like, uh, like if people, you know, if I tell people about my medical condition and it's, I don't know. I, I feel like it could possibly be a, like a bit for them to, you know, take on, especially if you're going into a relationship with somebody, it's like, you know, okay, I've got to deal with catheters and, and, um, you know, dealing with this and the, the, the issues that come with, um, you know, having a, having a stoma and, you know, putting a catheter in your body, like it's, yes. you're going to have your good days, you're going to have your bad days, but you know, overall it's, yeah. It is a lot, isn't it? It, it is, is quite a bit. Yeah. 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 Tell me about, you know, university. Mm. You know, you've you've you know gone through, done your degree, and you're on the other side, and mm. uh, a really important part of our society, a worker bee society. Mm. Um, so I'm a yeah nurse, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which which, if you would have asked me when I was twenty if I was going to go down that pathway and become a nurse, I would have probably said no. <laughs> <laughs> I did not like hospitals at all. Like that's the furthest place I would want to, you know, yeah, be from. Like I don't want to be near a hospital. Yeah. But um, I guess as I got older, I, I don't know, I 
I don't know. I, I, I thought that a job that's sort of helping other people, I've been through, you know, a lot personally mm. with, with my stuff and being on the other side of the fence, I can sort of help people that are, you know, potentially going through similar or even things that are completely different. But I feel like I've got a lot of empathy, whether that's specifically, you know, because I've had all this experience throughout my life, whether that's, you know, given me a bit more empathy than, you know, that your standard person that you'd find off the street. I don't know. <laughs> I suspect your point of view will be more, much more complicated, mm. won't it? And I feel like, you know, you would understand quite intimately what that might mean. Mm. And now working on a urology ward, that's that's also interesting. <laughs> there's a lot of things I'm like, okay, we're doing this procedure now. I know what it feels like. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like uh, I'm pretty good at – I feel like I'm, yeah, quite experienced at sort of, you know, explaining what's going to happen and actually doing mm. certain procedures, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting because I don't know. I, I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about – working in a urology ward yeah. specifically because yeah. I'm like, oh, is it going to be too much urology stuff? Cause like, you know, dealing with catheters and stuff all day at work and then coming home and dealing with my own stuff. It might be, yeah, yeah. <laughs> might be too much. Um, but yeah, so, um, yeah. So yeah, I anticipated that by sort of saying I'll work a week on the urology ward and a week on the other ward, which is general surgical gastrointestinal, yeah. still yeah. dealing with other sorts of stomas and stuff like that. But yeah. yeah. And you're finding it, that's so thoughtful and so mm. insightful of you mm. to do that because you've sort of really gently worked your way into that this position because I remember yeah. your first nursing job and how joyous that was oh, in comparison. Yes, <laughs> we won't go a, into the that detail. That was a different one, yeah. Yes. That was a different style of nursing. It, it wasn't a different style of nursing. Um, so I, it, you've kind of almost come full circle, mm. haven't you? You've gone from being on one side of the health spectrum to the other. Yeah, and in doing so, sort of traverse this really complicated path, which is really difficult. Yeah. And you've come out really powerful, mm. which is wonderful, isn't it? Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're powerful, you're in charge, and you're mm. in control. Yeah. <clears throat> what do you think you might want to say to, say, a young person listening in, you know, and they're facing the prospect of intermittent catheterization, perhaps? Mm. What would you have to say? Well, so you're going to have, you know, you're going to have your hard days, but it will get better over time. Like especially the procedure of, of having, for example, if it is a Metrofenoff stoma and stuff like that put in, that's, you know, it's not an easy, it's not easy for anyone. It's not easy for like your parents and stuff. Everyone sort of is living through it with you, even though it's, you know, you're, you're dealing with the brunt of it. You have to feel the pain and all like all the, have to deal with all the, you know, catheters and all the, yeah, everything. <laughs> you have to, yeah, it, it is quite. I don't know that. That kind of fries my brain a little bit thinking about it because there's a lot of a lot of memories in there that are just um, are coming back um, when I'm thinking about it. It's yeah, it's not. It won't be easy, but it will in the long term free you mm. in a sense. Like you will have your independence. You'll be able to do things that you weren't able to do before. Like when I was younger, it was like you're dealing with pull ups. Like you. you even if you had a f- friend and stuff like that and you had sleepovers, like dealing with pull-ups, it's kind of, that's at least it's sort of, if you're, everything's, you know, contained mm-hmm. and you can sort of control when you need, when you go to the toilet, it's, yeah, it's freedom. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, isn't it? It's it's a journey to get there, but like once you're there, you've kind of, yeah, you'll have your up, you have your days that are good, your days that are bad, but overall it's, yeah. It's going to work out. It's a solution that. You know, yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. And 
anybody that you think has been really pivotal? I mean, we've heard a lot about your pediatric urologist has made a big sort of change in your life. Anybody mm. in your family or around you that sort of really sort of supported you through all of that? I feel like my mum primarily. My dad, especially when I was like born, um, he kind of, he doesn't really deal with stressful stuff much. So he kind of like stood back a bit, let mum deal with it. And then my dad was sort of like, I'll just look after my, like Bonnie, my older sister, (laughs) while you deal with Brandon, (laughs) Um, which that can be, I don't know, it can be quite draining on a parent. Um, Yeah, that whole entire um, yeah, because like she was there pretty much every like every time I was in hospital having procedures and that. So her life sort of revolved around around me for a lot of my childhood. That's why I think I'm the favorite or the <laughs> you know you know she's, she invested a lot of time in me. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. There was a I don't know. There's a few things in hindsight I look back on. Yeah, that, um, were sort of like gaps, but I don't know if it's anyone in particular's fault or it's just the way the system was set up yeah. in a sense, like with uh, catheters, there wasn't much, it's, I don't know if it's the same today, but back when I had the stoma putting, which was probably 90, 1999 or 2000, I don't yeah. know, around that, when I was six. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I should do the math. Yeah. I was born 92. I was born <laughs> 92 so what, yeah. Anyways, whenever I was six. Yeah. Um, the, 98. Yeah. 98. It would be 98. Yeah. Um, when I, so they explained, these are the catheters you need. Um, and this is where you can buy them from. And pretty much at the beginning, it was buy like use a catheter a day, just wash it, put it in a, um, toothbrush holder. And then that's sort of early days of primary school. That's what I was doing and yeah. putting it in there, reusing. And, um, so my mum was sort of paying for the catheters. Um, and I was, Yeah. Yeah, and we did that for for years. No one said anything about the stoma appliance scheme, which has been around since the seventies, which funds catheters. Yeah. So um, I worked out it was like over more than fifty thousand dollars that Mum would have spent over those years before I took over and started paying. Before I done, obviously started becoming a nurse and done research. I'm like, wait a minute, there's all these things. (laughs) What's going on? Why why wasn't I informed informed of all this stuff? Yeah. Um, but I feel like a lot of the stuff, um, like NDIS, that's sort of a newer thing, which is, uh, you know, yeah. a little bit broken for people that, you know, need I think to catheterize. That's right. I think, I think in any jurisdiction, the, the, fi- the financial aspect of catheters is mm. not talked about. I mean, not even to mention the environmental aspect of yeah. catheters and, you know, a new catheter every time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, with the NDIS in Australia, it's all about funding for better social engagement. The whole point of this is to allow people to be engaged and working in functional adults yeah. or, or children in the community. I think we've lost sight of the importance of that and how hard it is to deliver excellent healthcare without that funding backing. Yeah, And that's something we don't cover very well. <clears throat> and we need to be better at that. Maybe even mapping it out to say, hey, this is what the rest of that progression would look like and how you need to be supported through that. I suppose this is going out to the rest of the world Mm. and there'll be different funding models elsewhere. But again, you know, much like the emotional, educational um, health support, the financial support and education is crucially important from the sound of it. Yeah, Mm. because it is hard to, you know, especially – 
like when I was old enough, I, I was paying for my own <laughs> catheters. Even now, um, with the hydrophilic coated um, speedy, is it? Uh, Using the speedy catheter. Yes, aren't yeah, you? yeah. So I've been self funding those because, especially working in a hospital, um, I'm dealing with lots of things. People have bugs and stuff like that, and I mean, I wash my hands and everything, but I just, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm just self funding those because they're easier to put in. I'm not touching any key areas. The other catheters um, that I get through the stone appliance scheme, I'm just using um, at home in an environment that I know is clean. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Cause working in a hospital is a higher risk environment. Yes, so absolutely. I'm like, Oh no, like I want to <laughs> be able to, you know, function and not get UTIs or whatever and then miss out on work. And so it's a, it's like a bit of a balance balancing act. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think the future might hold for Brandon in the next decade? See, I don't, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> I don't know. Some days I'm like, I don't know if I want to be a nurse anymore because I've been creative and just like not have to think about medical stuff because it is it is quite overwhelming at times, especially when you're dealing with stuff personally. And it's mm. like even over the past like few weeks when it was where, where it's like, okay, I'm going to work today and then tomorrow I'm going to have a bl- like a bladder washout. So I'm going to go have a procedure and and then like, you know, have the next day off and then back at work the next day. And it's like, yeah. It's full on, isn't it? Yeah, it, it can be at times, but it's sort of the, yeah, I don't know. If if I was to ever, it's either I'm going to advance further in nursing yeah. or I'm going to just one day just do something completely different. Yeah. That's that's what my brain's telling me. It's like, yeah, I, I really, I, f- I feel like it depends on how my health goes. If I'm going good, nursing, if I start <laughs> going down, I'm like, no, no, I want to avoid hospitals. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's really exciting, Brandon. Mm. And, you know, really amazing of you to share your experiences mm. through time and where you are. Yeah. And so brave of you to do that as well. Stand up and say, hey, this yeah. is me. Um, thank you very much for your oh, time. Thank you. And um, we should continue more discussions again. Yeah, I'm sure there's like a lot to talk about. Yeah. This is just, you know, scraping the surface of the barrel. Exactly right. <laughs> Deep dive, deep dive. deep dive. Coming soon. (laughs) Coming soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. International Continent Society podcast. Find out more about the leading organisation in multidisciplinary continents research and education at ics.org.